This episode is brought to you by AARP. 18 years from tonight, Grant Gill will become a comedy legend when he totally kills it at his improv class's graduation performance. Knees will be slapped. Hilarity will ensue. That's why he's already keeping himself in shape and razor sharp today with wellness tips and tools from AARP to help make sure his health lives as long as he does. Because the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash healthy living. The Denisons, the Denisons, the busiest in the biz. You do know who it is, it's Dennis Quaid. That's him. Hi, this is Dennis Quaid, and you're listening to The Denisons. On this episode, I talk to Billy Bush. We're going to talk about, of course, the infamous tape, but we're also going to talk about redemption, comebacks, second chances in life, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Let's go through your Instagram accounts, and I noticed you, what was that picture of guitars and piano? Do you have a guitars at home? Do you play guitar? My daughter, my 15-year-old daughter, I have three girls, 15, 19, 21. And my 15-year-old taught herself to play guitar on YouTube, which is just amazing. She just noodles, yeah. and she's gotten really good. So she has a guitar. My parents moved to a small place in Florida because they're old, and, uh, and they're like, we got to do something with this piano. And I said, okay, well, it oh, looks, looks good in the room. So right. I have a beautiful piano. I had it tuned. It's never been played. Never been played? No. If you play the piano, well, please I'm gonna come over. Well, I'm going to have to come over and remedy that. Do you Sometime. play the piano too? You play yes, the piano too? I play piano. You are a true Denaissance man. Do you know I am that? a Denaissance man. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> and so are you, buddy. Well, for sure. But we can't play golf. And if you were out there, who would, who would you want to play with? Hmm. Hmm. Who would I want to play with? You ever had, what, was, what was the best foursome you ever had? Or the one where you kind of went, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm here. Yeah, it's so early, and he asked me about my favorite foursome. I know. If you took one player away, we'd be in trouble. I mean, you know, you've got presidents in the family and stuff, so it's that's one of the fun guys to play with. Yeah, either one, George George W. or George Senior, are really fun to play with because you're done in about two hours and forty five minutes. Right. Just a lot of giving of strokes and uh, putts. Good. You know, a gimme on the on the green, and also. The practice range is for the practice swing. There are no practice swings when you're out there. A lot of guys step up. It's so terrible. And they're like, one, two, three. You're sitting there going, hit! Yeah. yeah. For the love of God. Yeah. The nation needs us back as soon as possible. I played with Bill Clinton. And, you know, he. You've he, played with Trump? I played with you Trump. You played with and Clinton? Bill Who Clinton. cheated worse? Uh, well, I. With Bill, I don't know if you could call it cheating or not. He just like, yeah, his presidential discretion. Trump wasn't president at the time. He hit two out of bounds on the first hole and claimed he found his first one. <laughs> so it was his course. We all know very, that guy. Of course you did, sir. It was very nice to let us even come down there and play gratis. Uh, but who uh, knows? You know, I've done my... I fudged a couple of times, I must say myself. <laughs> You've winter Not when rules. There's money on winter the line, rules is I the have, maximum. I have fudged. You've rolled out of a divot if there was one exceedingly large in the middle of the fairway. You shouldn't be penalized. Yeah, you hit yours in the just fairway. That's totally unfair. Or a bad Not footprint in a sand trap. You didn't leave it there. <laughs> didn't leave it there. But that's the way it goes. 
But that, um, anything else you do other than this? I'm that, an individual. That you're really into? I'm a skier, uh, golfer, tennis. Would, uh, would you describe yourself as a skier? Would you be like interme- good intermediate? Yeah, That's what I am. Like, I would say you? advanced. Yeah, I've been skiing since I was three. So you do the double black diamonds and all that. Yeah, I have a house in Park City, Utah, and I taught the kids to ski when they were three years old. <clears throat> we ski, you know, dad and daughter all the time. My ex-wife is from Mississippi, so she was never a skier. Yeah. Um, but she would hold down the fort while I, you know, would take yeah. the little guys out there. Well, that was me. I grew up in Houston, and we didn't really have much skiing going on there. But do you that, still do it now? Uh, I started when I was twenty-five. Chris Cast took me up to Mammoth, uh, and uh, it, I actually skied for the first time. It was in jeans. And, uh, You're that but, guy, yeah. But it, that started it. I, I call myself a. Good that means they were tucked into the boot because jeans don't go over the boot. Yes, that's, that's a right. strong look. That's yeah. Yeah, that was cold. Isn't the eighties sometime or what kind? Of, that's a hot look. Yeah. Instead of Jordaches coming, to, that's that all Dennis I have. Quaid? Yeah. Ooh. It's one of those tow rope things too <laughs> that you go up where you put you know you put the wood like behind your butt and hold the rope between your legs. That's a T bar. Mm-hmm. That's right. Not to be confused with a T back. Which you should never be wearing. I'm a little better now, but you know, definitely not a skier. That's for sure. How did you get into into uh, broadcasting or journalism? Uh, what is it that you really wanted to do starting out? I, um, you know, I was I was the guy that picked his major in college with literally three minutes to the deadline, and I kind of opened the book and was like, "Yikes, where do I go?" Um, ooh, international relations. That looks good, and I just chose it. Yeah. Um, and I was just I was a just a strong C student, just never above the C. But I always got things done. I always had like uh, something going on. And I found the college radio station while I was there. And the lights this, just this came was on. What university? This is at Colby College mm-hmm. in Waterville, Maine. Mm-hmm. And the lights went on. I was like, oh, this is ex- Wow, can people people make a living doing this too, right? They don't just have to go be a doctor, lawyer, banker, or whatever it is. So um, I pursued it, and uh, I started off in Laconia, New Hampshire, Lakes Region, Lakes Region, Winnipesaukee, in a three thousand watt FM radio station, just talking shop. You know, afternoon drive was four cars, and um, just it got all the began bug. in a three thousand watt. Oh yeah, I was an oldies radio station yeah, yeah. too. I was a little twenty two year old guy, you know, yeah. talking oldies. And then that was it. Six years of radio and then TV, step by step. You were like spinning records and uh, talking yep. in between. Yep. And uh, really small place. But I was also selling ads by day, selling radio advertising by day, because my dad was like, okay, you can chase your dream, but I'm not you know, sending you any more money. College is over. It's time to... So I ended up becoming a sales machine, driving in my car door to door to True Value Hardware and you know, Meredith's restaurant or whatever it was. Just telling selling them what, the, what the, the value they would get. By I was a master of getting owners of businesses to do their own commercials. And they loved hearing the sound of their voice. Oh. So they'd all be like, well, yeah, I like that commercial. How much does that cost me again? I want to hear myself <laughs> talking on the radio. It was the greatest way in. So I started selling like hotcakes. Wow. Incredible. Then from that, where, where did your break come? So that was, yeah, after, after, after selling enough to gain a little leverage to say, look, I'm not going to be on the air one night a week anymore. I want to do afternoon drive every day. Um, and I was doing over 50% of the billing for this station as a 23-year-old kid. So they're like, uh, okay. And so 
I would sell until 2 o'clock, and then from 2 to 6, I was on the air. And then finally, after two months of being on every day, I said, this is me, man. This is me. Not, I love the sales guy, but I like this more. So I made some tapes, sent them out, and, and left. Went on yeah. my merry way. Went down to Rockville, Maryland in a uh, classic rock station, which reached D.C., so we'd have that big market right there. It's one of the people, that, one of the stations that liked your, your tape. They liked my yeah. tape and said, hey, come on, come on down. And uh, we'll, we'll give you a trial on a Saturday afternoon. So they just threw me on on a Saturday afternoon. The next thing I know, I, you know, they, they took me on board as the night guy. Wow. This was like 19 or Oh, shoot, 96. 96, 97. Yeah, yeah. 96 was my, when I started. And right. That, but that was enough to... A year later, moved to uh, to my own morning show in D.C., in the heart of D.C. Mm. Wow. So, then, you know, your, your, uh, your uncle or cousin, you'd be your cousin. Well, this George, was when George I started, it was, cousin, it was Clinton, right? and then W came in. <clears throat> yeah. And, like, I got fired from that radio job two weeks before the inauguration. Really? Yeah. Like, he had, I was like, oh, man. We, I got a I got a bigger name coming in, but I had just been fired. <laughs> but it was a. Uh, it had nothing to do with politics. Oh no, I, I don't think so. No, we. I think we'd we'd run our course. I did it about five six years. Yeah, and you know, I just sort of, it was enough. Were people interested? Did people happen to know that you were a Bush, as in related to? Because there's a lot of Bushes out there. You got Bush beans. Well, I never Bush... talked about it unless someone wrote about it. I'll tell you what's interesting. My first job at NBC, when yeah. I was an East Coast correspondent for Access Hollywood, my first job, when I got, uh, when they were doing my contract, I said, there's one stipulation. You can never use that name to introduce me or to frame me in any way. Yeah. The emphasis is on the Billy and not the Bush. Yeah. And they were like, really? I said, yeah, never. Because you can ride it as high as it goes, but you got to take it as low as it goes. You know, right. right? I'm not going to ride with exactly. his popularity. Yeah. Right after 9-11, he's 90%, and so am I. Yeah. And then, you know, later on, something happens, and he goes to 18, and you do too? Well, that's, that's not the way right. It always happens. I was at Governor Perry. It was backstage with him in Austin, uh, in Texas. We were doing uh, some little thing uh, for a press deal with an audience. And I was getting ready to go out there, and he goes, hey, you're lucky. They all love you. Yeah. Just, as soon as you get elected, 50% of the people immediately don't like you. And right now, it's exactly 50, right? <laughs> I mean, it's like we are evenly divided. But that was the best thing I ever did for my career because, um, you know, most people, I guess, would make the – still plenty of people don't make that connection. You know, I'm not yeah. like, you know, the son of. Right. I remember it was a while before I knew that about you. Yeah. Yeah. And that was by design because I don't want any preconceived notions of any. They just want to get to know you. And then they find out or something. Oh, wow, that's an interesting little extra tidbit. Yeah. That was my first kind of awareness of you was uh, once you were at Access Hollywood and doing doing Trump. You were hanging out. Always with Trump. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Is that, that the reason you that you were brought on? No, did, no, did no, no, you no, have no. Any relationship I was already with him there even before that. I was already there um, as the East Coast correspondent, and when I 
and then the 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 Apprentice exploded. Yeah, and it became a really a huge phenomenon. I think 30 million people watched the first season finale when right. Bill Rancic was the winner. But because I was the East Coast correspondent and I'm eight blocks away from his office, I was literally with him all the time. Mm. And then as the years went, we struck up the rapport. But, you know, right. that's my job. I'm the rapport guy. Right. Uh, you got to find your rapport with each person that, you know, and this guy was became the biggest star on television, period, yeah. bar none. For sure. So... Um, I was with him all the time, and then you know the producers would keep calling me saying, "What's next? Get him! What What are you doing with him next?" I'm like, "I just got off his plane. Give me a break! <laughs> I convinced him to let me fly with him to. Oh well, now you got to get into his wardrobe closet. I'm, well, what? You know, so this, and that was the. But he always delivered because he was a, he's a headline machine. Yeah, but, he loves that. He's Mr. Soundbite. He doesn't. He doesn't love carry a publicist because what's the point? Yeah, what's the point? <laughs> Just gonna get into an argument with them mm. over or whatever. But you were uh, at this point. You when uh, this tape happened that you know surfaced what eleven years later that we're talking that was two thousand five. That that uh, segment you did. The, that the segment, segment was two thousand five. Yeah, and uh, so how long had you been going around with? with Trump at that time. Oh, my God. Since the beginning of The Apprentice. So, I don't know. I think The Apprentice was 2003 or four, three yeah. maybe is so when it started. So, he was season yeah. two or three. Still still giant. Right. Um, and this was the end of Access Across America. We were building a whole new studio. Mm-hmm. So, in order to get out of the studio so that they could build it, we right. had to take the show on the road, so they got this bus. It, this was the last stop of the tour. We were pulling in. The new studio was finished, and this was the last stop. They're like, we need one more day out. Right. So we're going to pick Trump up at the Beverly Hills Hotel and drive him to this appearance he's making on Days of Our Lives, I think it was, or one of the... Yeah, it was a soap. Yeah. yeah. He was playing the role of a billionaire who gets hit on by, uh, you know, a, a gold digger type character. Right. And so, I guess what you were waiting on the bus for them to come out, and they were going to roll on. Cameraman had gotten off the bus. Yeah, he got off the bus, and he was like, "Wait for us, bus!" And so he ran down about three hundred yards away to film the arrival of the bus. Mm -hmm. And so he, but he had continued to record so that when you got off the when you got off off the bus, everybody was already mic'd up. And it was yeah. a continuous shot that way. Right. Right. So when Trump went in. Was Trump out. was actually very, he was, it's very savvy, you know, uh, in the way that he always knew if he was on or off. Yeah. And so this was clearly off. Yeah. For him. Yeah, the cameras. Because I'll out, never forget the time. Of the bus. There's really nothing that you're going to be able to use inside the bus. Yeah. But they're right. long gone. So I've he also assumes- forgotten that I have a lavalier mic on myself. Uh, between takes on uh, on movies that I've done sure. or whatever. You know, do you remember anything else that was being talked about on the bus while you, you guys were waiting around? No, and I actually, that? I don't even remember that ending part. The famous line, never recall it. Yeah. Never, when I heard it, I heard it for the first time because I don't think I ever it ever landed on me. Yeah, he described it as locker room banter. But that's him. I, I mean, when you're with Trump, him. there's two topics. On one Golf level, on or... one level, I kind of could say that it was locker room banter. And on another, it was like very wrong. So that was the struggle. 
Hey, Dennis Quaid here. You may know that I'm a musician and a huge music fan, and I want to tell you about a new podcast that I discovered. I've been listening to Eric Krasno Plus One, a podcast hosted by Grammy Award-winning guitarist and producer Eric Krasno. I love the interviews. They go deep with musicians, and you hear stories of life in the studio, life on the road. <laughs> Those are really good, or bad, depending on which side of the story you're on. You got stories with bandmates and all the other shenanigans that go on behind the scenes. On Plus One, Eric has candid conversations with legendary musicians, many who are also his friends. And at the end of each episode, Eric plays a favorite track from his guest. So it's great for discovering new music, too. On Plus One, Eric has candid conversations with legendary musicians, many who are also his friends. And at the end of each episode, Eric plays a favorite track from his guest. So it's great for discovering new music, too. Eric's talked to people like Dave Matthews, Marcus King, Chris Robinson, and upcoming episodes feature conversations with John Mayer, Questlove, Derek Trucks, Phil Lesh, and so many more. So take a listen to Eric Krasno Plus One. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Hi, Dennis Quaid here. Hey, we all have tough days and things that interfere with our happiness or achieving our goals. If you are looking to better yourself, then you should look into BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. BetterHelp evaluates what you need and connects you to your very own licensed professional therapist. You'll be connected in less than one day, and you can send messages to your counselor anytime, day or night. This is not self-help, but it is professional counseling from the comfort of your own home. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you could schedule your own weekly video or phone sessions. Confidential, convenient, professional, and affordable. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting BetterHelp.com Quaid. Join over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com, slash Quaid. You know, I wrote that letter to you because I felt so bad for you because I've, I, I, I've been in Hollywood jail before, too, you know, for yeah. one reason or another. You know, when I got off cocaine, I went in, you know, that was back before everybody was going to rehab, and... I did my 28 days and then, you know, I, uh, it was tough to get a job after that, I guess, you know, because sure. people knew too much about me or, or for whatever reason, or maybe it was just I, what I put on myself, uh, at, in those six years that I was kind of, was kind of struggling. And what was that like? Especially there must've been especially a couple of years where well, it was just, can't tell you how many conversations. And then of course you have your family. And yeah. with your kids. And yeah, no, that was tough. I mean, hearing your dad, you know, it's such an ugly moment. It's like, yeah, you want to delete it. Of course you want to delete it. But you can't. And then, the, you know, it's out there for the right. world to consume. And your children, most importantly, it's just humiliating, embarrassing. It's shitty. You suck. You look. I, there's no denying. There's no denying the moment is a terrible moment. Did you ever get any public 
moments One with people? No. <clears throat> the, 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 the reason why I'm allowed to be the way I am today and mm -hmm. I'm full force and I'm back doing what I'm doing and, and, I'm, and I'm, you know, all guns blazing is because of the public support and the, the private support from you and Cindy Crawford and Julie Bowen and Kate Walsh and, you know, all people I love in this business. And, um, but the public, when you're told enough times, wow, you might have been overpunished, then you say, you, you realize, okay, they're with me. They're not crazy. And they'll let me back right. up. And what's interesting about life is watching somebody get up and watching someone come back. How have they changed? Um, I'm a, I'm a much nicer person. I'm much more curious about other people's experiences. I must say it's, you know. You think it's giving you some empathy. Oh, in for other sure. Words, for, yeah, I only take the good out people. of it yeah. at this point. Right. I'm almost fully drained of the resentment. Not fully, <laughs> but mostly. Enough to live a really, you know. Enough to keep yourself a little guarded yeah. about if anything starts to stray anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. There's one guy I'd like to meet in a dark alley, but that, you know, but that's. Uh... Hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> It sounds like the, the person who uh, well, yeah, the, the, the politics in there is pretty ugly. And uh, did you get any advice from uh, from George uh, H or oh, uh, Young Dubs called me like three days afterwards, and he's like, "Don't tell me your head's buried in the pillow, man. What you doing?" And I said, "No, it's not. Of course it was." Uh, and I said, "I want to, I want to, I want to fire back." I want to, I want to hire the biggest, baddest lawyer and look at the details of what happened here and all this stuff. And he said, I said, I just want to do it. And he said, don't do it. And I said, look, are they offering you money? And I'm like, yeah, of course. I mean, like, you know, he said, just take it. It's going to take too much of your life. It's going to suck your life dry. Go be with your kids, do your best to get some good days and mm. just come on back and mm. don't. And I said, and I'm glad I did because you know what? Look, nobody goes unscathed in this world. And, you know, I'm not special or extraordinary. I, my circumstances are definitely unique. I mean, wow, like, you'll never see that again. But, um, but everybody has something. Nobody goes unscathed. They really don't, whether it's private that's or the book public. Title. It's all inside oneself. Uh, uh, it's really about how you deal with it, I yeah. think. Exactly. What it do you do? It determines your character of who you're going to be. Dennis, you're looking over behind me. These are all my self-help books that I read yeah. during the time, right? And funny thing is, one, there's one thing all these authors have in common. They didn't write it before their experience. <laughs> they wrote them after. So they, these things, right. you know, they, <laughs> you know what I mean? You have to go through it. You have to live it. You have to yeah, go through that, it. I've never really very, been through anything. That is very true. Tough. That was my thing. Yeah. I hope. That that was it. I mean, and everything that goes through it. it, it your uh, your marriage also broke up during this time, but, but not I, I believe connected. It, believe it was it, you were actually separated from your wife before oh, all yeah. of this hit the fan. Correct? Yeah, we were already that. that those are separate events that you know the media conveniently attached that uh, that 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 the two were connected. Um, but it is is kind of amazing in life. I found how sometimes when 
they say the shit hits the fan. I mean, all of it really seems to hit oh. the fan in, in groups of threes or The midlife uh, crisis everything. 360. Yeah. Fully, full, let's just go all yeah. of it at once. Your life is great. You got that. Yeah. yeah. You got your dream job. You were job. 48 years old. It's all happened back when you were 33. And uh, you're just you riddled know. with bullets. Yeah. <laughs> but again, you know, like, okay, now it get, gets interesting. Because I'm really, really of the opinion that most most guys, when it comes to like relationships and it just comes to most things in general, women are much more uh, emotionally intelligent or far ahead of us for so long. Oh my god! And it takes uh, men at least until uh, the age of forty to take their head out of their ass. So true. And uh, so we're babies. Yeah, we're babies. But here you are, you know, the top of everything at forty-eight, and then it's you like, get a kaboom. I got a full kaboom, you know, professional, private, and personal, all of it. Um, interesting, during coronavirus, you know, every night, um, I'm with my ex-wife and my kids, and uh, we all have dinner together, and we're back together, and she's one of the greatest people on the planet, mm. and a phenomenal, like, chef extraordinaire, and we play games every night, and it's like, wow. That's fantastic. It's fantastic. So mm. that's really good. The job is back. Well, and it I'm must have brought intimacy to your relationships with your kids, uh, another degree of intimacy sure. and everything that to be able to go through something like this all together. Yeah. And to come and out the other side. And by the, the way, one of them, I, there's, you know, it's well documented. One of them held me to task in a major way. What were you thinking, Dad, in that yeah. moment with him on that? You know, and you, you can't reason with a 16-year-old and be like, no, no, no. You see, here's right. the thing. He was a big star, and I would, that, 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 that. Yeah, yeah. was like, you realize the only thing you can say is, you're right. Yeah. I got nothing. I'm sorry. Yeah. And then you walk away and realize that, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, that's right. Yeah. Tough it's, shit. That, that's tough. You had another daughter who, said, who didn't even see the tape or whatever. What, the little one won't, uh, says she hasn't. Um, I don't know. Uh, if you if she has, it precludes her from having to talk about it. But, yeah. uh they all have, and then the oldest yeah. one is, you know, the oldest one is super evolved, and you know. I mean, that was there was a lot of emotion, I'm sure, that went on with that. Amazing and time, sir. I'm sure an it made amazing them time. In I'm one's sure life. all that made them stronger too. Yeah. In your relationship, in the end, probably stronger because there's another level of intimacy that comes with it. It well, is for Tony Robbins and and the Hoffman. Uh, uh, yeah, both of them. So, uh, how, did you know uh, Tony Robbins from before? Uh, interviewed him a few times. Yeah, he reached out to me and was like, hey, uh, I'm imagining you in this position, and uh, it's probably not a good one. Uh, I'm doing my um, uh, a big conference downtown. I want you to come as my guest. And I said, yes. And um, so I went and um, spent the day with, with him. It was an amazing moment when he's standing on stage in front of nine thousand people at the Galen Center, USC's basketball stadium, and he he's talking about he says, One moment does not define your life. And I had my head down, I'm like, gotta be amazing if he was looking at me. And I look up and he's standing, he's a huge man. He's standing on the edge of the stage and he's looking down at me right there, like in the second row. And I'm looking up, I'm like, oh wow, well at least it's not on the Jumbotron. And I look over, boom, we're on the Jumbotron. And the audience gave the biggest round of like applause, and it melted my heart. Excellent. 
they knew what he was doing there. And then I realized I knew why he invited me. Hmm. So it was a wonderful gift. Wow. Those Very are regular thoughtful. people. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty. And the Hoffman process is, um, if you can handle it, it's a week in the woods, unplugged, uh, with experiential therapy. Yeah. Like I am. Like a punching of pillows. That's, punching that's, of pillows. I at one point was with this young woman who I'm still friends with, lives in L.A. She's in her late twenties, and she had been sexually assaulted, and she is letting all of this pain out. Yes. And I'm feeling like, well, geez, I don't even, I'm, I'm not even in the category here. This is, a, she's been through so much more, but we all, you, everyone has their thing. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I was allowed, I uh, let myself go in front of 40 strangers. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. That's, I mean, it's sort of that's shocked hard. yourself. Yeah. In words, very well, I was like, if I'm here, I'm yourself. going. Yeah. I'm all in. Let's go. Right. So I've opened up a lot. I mean, I've you know definitely evolved and changed a lot. I think it's important to do that. I think they say that every seven years we should overhaul ourselves. Yeah, I didn't, I've never told anyone this, but this is an amazing experience I had with this woman. Uh, she came up to me, and she was in my small group. There's 40 people, but there are five groups of eight that are the small groups. And then you do things all as one. But in my little group there was – and she came to me on – we started on a Saturday – the day Trump walked in for his first day in the Oval Office was the day that I walked in to check into the Hoffman process to begin putting my life <laughs> really? back together. Hello, irony. <laughs> and uh, But four days in, this woman comes to me. We'd all gone so deep. And she, all of us, she had been wearing sweatpants, like no makeup, her hair is up, and she was just in that grinded out phase, you know? And all of a sudden, she shows up like, in this little bench that I'm sitting on, she shows up in full makeup. And she is just full bloom. Da-da-da! She's got a sweater on. She's just like, hey, the hair is out. And I'm like, wow, is that Michelle? And she's like, hey, I've been looking for you. And I went, okay, whoa, what's going on? And she's like, I just wanted to tell you something. I've been so in my own place. I am only now realizing who you are. Because you can't give your name when you're there. Right. You give your childhood nickname. Say you're, right. if the kids called you Bubblehead when you were a kid, you have to write, everyone calls you Bubblehead for a whole week. So, you know, I was just Billy, but she says, I just put together who you are and like the whole thing. And she goes, I want you to know that when I first met you in the group, my first impression was you reminded me of my college boyfriend who was, you know, he was fun, he was, you did, and you, but he was my first really good experience. And then when this whole tape thing happened and the whole Trump thing happened, she's like, it reminded me of my stepfather who abused me when I was young. Mm-hmm. Trump did. I mean, the Trump yeah. character. Yeah. And she's like, and now that I have you here to... F- to change that narrative for me, I'm reborn. She's like, I, I, it's gone. I can get back to my life. I feel like, yeah. And she's like, went running off. And I'm like, <laughs> well, I'm glad I could do that. What about me? Take me away. I'm not done. <laughs> well, we're still friends. We all talk. Well, when did things start to change? Uh, First four that- months was whiskey only. Was dedicated to whiskey, mm-hmm. and I do think the bottle has a place in uh, in the recovery, mm-hmm. in, in getting in in you know in transformation. It's not long, as we all know, but 
the Hoffman process is the first thing. Then Tony Robbins. You put one foot in front of the other. Then you find this book. Then you find that book. Then you find meditation. Then I'm starting to do a bunch of yoga. Then I start just, just putting one foot in front of the other, getting up and getting going. Um, and then it just, it just so takes its time. So what was the process time. of you getting out of Hollywood jail? I wanted so desperately to get out. I was like, I went to see people. I'm like, no, I think it's good now. I think it's good. Like people would definitely, yep. It's been six months. I mean, uh, mm. and I've got all these executives. One of them, Kevin Riley, who's a really good friend, um, and we have a, a a business together um, outside of Hollywood. He uh, he said, "Bushy, no, it's not yet." I'm like, hey, "No, it's now. It's now. Definitely no. Nope. It's going to be a year." And then it ended up being a lot longer than a year because the other, you know, the the Me Too Me Too movement arrived mm-hmm. exactly one year later. Mm-hmm. By the way, two weeks after I turned down a job that I didn't like, and then um, then it just became, you know, you turned down a job that you didn't like two weeks after the incident. Two weeks? No, 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 no. Two weeks before the Me Too movement began. Oh, okay. The Me Too movement began with Harvey Weinstein, right. October tenth, I believe, two thousand seventeen. Mm-hmm. Exactly one year mm-hmm. after, yeah, that, and uh, and so. But then, at that point, it was a hiring freeze on just period. It had to be, you know, every hire was very careful. So, you know, I realized, oh, boy, this is going to be a while for me. Yeah. Just because, just because I was um, longtime friends with, with um, the president of uh, Fox Stations. Mm. And uh, I said, I can, she's like, what can you do? We want to try this. I said, yeah, but we got to change the way we do the show. And we, we got to, the entertainment show is so tired and so stale. We need to fix it. And I got some ideas. And she's like, I got some ideas. And we sat down, put it together. What was your idea? Well, that the standard sort of introductions of things, the way the show flows, you know, Mm -hmm. you you read into the camera, the piece airs, that whole thing. So now we film behind the scenes in black and white all the time. Like if I'm in the office talking to somebody about a thing, that's the lead. Right. It's not me standing on camera reading into the camera all the time. Right. it's me working out some things with producers, the newsroom, all this stuff. It, the process is filmed, and yeah. with it comes a lot of spontaneity and fun and yeah. and good laughs. And so it's kind of like uh, The Office meets the that HBO show, The Newsroom with yeah. Jeff Daniels, meets you know the, the traditional entertainment shows. Part you know part in there too. So we've done it. It's really done really well for Fox. They did a one year trial with the show. And after five weeks, they picked it up for four years. Great. So uh, it's a good story. And it, and it completes, you know. It's, you know what it is? Yeah, it's getting back the in the business message. in the front door. <laughs> What's that? It's going back into the business in the front door. Yeah. Not having to sneak in as exactly. the weatherman in Duluth. And I'm sure you feel you have a lot of support. I do. That's coming yeah. from that. And I was again, really people... happy to, to uh, hear you were back in the saddle again. Thank you. Yeah. I know that. And I really appreciate you reaching out when times are tough because a lot of people are just going, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I, by the way, that is another thing that I take with me. If I see someone in a tough place, I'm never the guy on. I might have been a little judgy back in the day when I was on TV, Mr. You know, full of opinion guy, whatever. I've been now I'm myself. the first guy that says, hey, hey, whoa. Yeah. OK, not a good look. But hold on. Yeah. What's the rest? I'm of not the taking story? that dude out or that woman out or whoever it is right well yeah i think you're the best there is at what you do buddy 
I Thank really you. do. And uh, as a human being, you uh, perk everybody's day up. Thank you, man. You get around, and you're always very positive, and I think you're a great influence on on those around you. Thank you, man. I appreciate and, uh, that. Very sweet. It's been great interviewing you. Hey, it really is. Well, you got I me going. I, I'm actually working up a sweat here. I'm on a. <laughs> I've never... I haven't figured out how you cheat in golf yet, but we'll, we'll <laughs> find that out. I'm very uh, every rule. <laughs> Are we still on? Are we still on? No leak. Don't leak that day. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Denisance. Please make sure to rate, review, and of course subscribe so you can get new episodes delivered straight to your podcast player. Hey, and make sure to tune back in next week. We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn this thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton, for the stay.